It was never about us. It was about the sport, and we were kind of just trying to keep up with it. From Vermont Center for Emerging Technologies, it's Start Here, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. Now that the snow has melted, we finally sit down with Donna Carpenter, co-founder and CEO of Burton Snowboards, one of the best companies to ever come out of the state of Vermont, period. Welcome. This is Sam Roach-Gerber and Dave Bradbury, recording from Fairpoint Technology Hub in downtown Burlington, Vermont. Welcome, Donna. Thank you. It's awesome to be here. We're psyched to have you. Thanks for coming, Donna. This is a wicked treat. It's like a second Christmas <laughs> yeah, for me. Stoked about this. Christmas Very, in June. Christmas in June. Well, we have snow in June sometimes too, don't we? This is so. like December weather right now. All right, but we may, we, may, we may be in the 90s by the time this comes to uh, market. So. I hope so. Yeah. Let's dive in. Let's go for it. All right. Donna, I just... You know, don't know you very well. I want to jump in and just hear a little bit about your background. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I guess you would classify me as the accidental entrepreneur. I met my husband in a bar when I was on a skiing vacation uh, in southern Vermont. More years than I'd like to admit, 35 years ago now, 36 years ago. Um, And I was intrigued. You know, I was intrigued by the Vermont lifestyle I let's just say I grew up in something different than the Vermont <laughs> lifestyle, like suburban New York, where I just never related to the values. Mm-hmm. And um, but I was very young; I was 20 years old, and I found myself married to this cool guy who was making snowboards by himself in the back of his barn. And my mother disowned me, and <laughs> my friends thought I had gone insane. Um, You're like, what does he do again? Yeah, yeah, and I never planned to get involved in the business, so it really was because of my culture shock. I was all of a sudden, oh, my God, I'm married, I'm 20, I'm in Vermont, what are we going to do? He said, hey, we both spent time in Europe, and we both loved it. I, I had spent a year in France, and he had spent a year in France, and he also had a sense that snowboards could be made more like skis. At the time, you know, in the early 80s, they were just this piece of wood ply, plywood with a rope on the end and a couple straps for your feet. And he had a sense that it could be developed more like a ski. And at the time, all ski production was in the Alps. So he said, hey, what if we go to the Alps for a year and you can, you know, you can do whatever you want to do and, and I'll look into this. And so I had actually gotten a job with a uh, university. And before we left, he said, hey, could you take a look at some of these inquiries that we're getting from Europe? And because the product wasn't available in Europe. And all of a sudden, it was like a flood. It was like, oh my God, they want this. So it really started, the demand started in Europe first? No, we were here. We were established. We were established here in the US and we were growing very quickly. We had no reason to go to Europe. There was no business plan. It was a very personal decision. And then it was like, oh my God, they want this stuff. And everybody told us, they said, you will never get through the old school ski mentality in Europe. They said, that's just impossible. You're not going to do it. And we, But we were hearing from people on the ground. I was getting letters. This is way before emails or whatever. Yeah. But I was actually getting letters from, from kids all over Europe saying, 
how do we make this because we can't buy it here? And um, next thing I knew, I, you know, long story short, I was setting up an office, I was hiring people, and I was running the European market. I was 21 years old. <laughs> in Londonderry, Vermont. <laughs> and I had, no, by then we were in Manchester. You guys were in Manchester then? Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, he worked on developing the, the boards and, and quick technological advances over there. And I worked on setting up the European sales, European operations. Wow, you were the accidental. You thought you were just I coming for a ski weekend. The accidental. I mean, I love to tell this story. Like, I was looking for a French distributor. We didn't have anybody in France. And I got the name of a guy, and I called him. And he said, well, let me check with some of my dealers. He was a ski distributor, a ski clothing distributor. And he's, he called back a day later, and he said, I just sold... 2,000 snowboards over the phone. Oh my huh, that's said, nice demand to know you have, He said, right? I'm getting on a train. I'll be there in six hours, and I will sign whatever deal you want me. I mean, it just, it just blew up. So we were really, it was never about us. It was about the sport, and we were kind of just trying to keep up with it. Um, that's really awesome. So it just sounded like there were no problems from, from day one, right? Yeah, yeah. no, no <laughs> problems Just, just magically, the, there was always enough cash to, to yeah. get equipment or, yes. or pay people. No, banks so. were dying to lend us money. Yeah, seriously, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, I think it's kind of fascinating, Sam, too, that you know, so often we hear, no, you can't do that, right? Yeah. There, there's sort of the, the, the proverbial, the man or the distributor um, says you can't, and that usually makes an entrepreneur want to do it more, particularly if you're talking with like customers or the end beneficiary, which Talk is not what like, you had. Market signals. I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah, there was demand for it. And instead of being sort of entrenched in this old school skiing history, they were looking for something new. Mm -hmm. And we were there. Right. Timing. Timing was, 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 right. was really good. Any lessons from the early days that, that you might share that, that would help? an entrepreneur or maybe even a scaling team today um, have a better chance? Yeah, I think one of the very big lessons, there's so many, I could, lessons are... <laughs> I read your 13 lessons. Yeah, I mean, after you've had a lot of difficulties, you usually say, I hope there's a lesson out of this. But I think early on in um, Europe, we experienced some quality problems. And it was just a run, it was one production run of snowboards that ended up with uh, my client in Switzerland. Um, but we became fanatics after that. And because we were the market leader, what happened was the, uh, the bindings were pulling out of the board. So when you were riding it, it was actually pulling out. And because we were the pioneers, I think the market forgave us and said, you know, we'll give you another shot at this because you're the only game in town or whatever. But we became fanatics about quality after that. And I always say that to entrepreneurs, when you're growing so fast, it's so easy to lose sight of quality. Sometimes you have to say, you know what, we're going to scale back production. We're not going to make as much stuff um, unless the quality is there. That's really a really great point. Because mm -hmm. um, uh, you, you own the brand, you know, you own your you own your product and results. Um, the uh, 
you know, when you started scaling the company, I mean, when did it feel like, do you remember what, what was, was there a moment when you and Jake just sort of said, oh my gosh, we, we actually might be able to support ourselves and our employees with this. Was there a big season or a product that came out? Was it when you, the mystery air came out or, or something that just sort of made you feel no, like you, you, you had no, cracked it? Yeah. No, I mean, in the beginning we were really struggling, I think, you know, I think I made $18,000 for the first five years. That was actually my salary, and his was 30 or something. I should have gender equality. We I was going to say, that, yeah. that's, uh, that's less than 25% difference. Yeah. <laughs> Greater rather. Um, and, you know, as soon as you would think things were going great, something would happen. I mean, I, I remember things were going crazy in Europe. We were growing by triple digits. We were growing high double digits in the U.S., so, woo, you're on easy street, right? Things are looking good. So I'd say 1989, and then our bank went through the savings and loan crisis of 1989, and they pulled our loan. And I had to walk around to 50 people and say, you know that paycheck you just got? You can't cash it. Ouch. And I, it's got to be not, the worst day. It's it, the worst day of your life, but it makes you so, all of a sudden something takes over where you're like, this is no longer about me and Jake. Me and Jake will be just fine financially or whatever. We'll, you know, we'll land on our feet. This is about all the people that work for us. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs forget about that. You know, that when you start growing, you are now supporting people and their livelihoods and their families. And I remember going to a woman who I knew was a single mother with two kids in daycare. And I said to her, you cannot cash that paycheck. I'll let you know when you can. And she looked at me and said, fine, we believe in what you're doing. And that was the moment I knew Burton was a family. I knew it was more than just a company. Oh, I just got chills. Yeah. Real I mean, chills. It, and, and we got emergency funding. And, but all of a sudden, it was no longer about me. I happened to be eight months pregnant at the time as well. Of course you were, right. Yeah, yeah, so as soon as you think you're on easy street, David, you're no longer on easy street and something happens. I, you know? I, uh, I've yet to find easy street, I, but uh, okay. it, it's, it's an illusion out there. So. Uh. so Donna, what is it like to build a brand, especially one that's internationally known in Vermont? Oh, I think Vermont is the best place to build a brand, a family, a home, and everything else. We have an amazing sense of community, and I hope that when people look at Burton, they see Vermont is so much a part of our DNA. I think it's that pioneering spirit, that Yankee spirit, but you know, the way that Vermonters get together and help each other. You know, I think about um, Hurricane Irene or whatever, and just that amazing spirit that we have and the reverence for nature and the meanings of the mountains. I think that um, hopefully, you know, it's something that we... Sense of place is very important for us. Yeah, and has that helped you find um, the type of employees that you want to keep Everton? Yeah, well, I think snowboarding is irreverent, yeah. right? I always say we stand sideways, you know, we look at the world a little differently. Love that. And You've heard me say that, Sam. I've been standing <laughs> sideways since, uh, let's see, 1991 is when I, I, I came to the dark side. So you don't have to be a snowboarder to work at Burton. You do have to look at the world a little differently. You have to question authority. You have to... 
you know, That's be passionate. so weird. That is my uh, sweet spot, mm-hmm. questioning authority. Question authority every day here, Sam. I That's do. true. Yeah. Thank God. We need it. <laughs> Is that now? Did that feed into the uh, the Burton stance? Would you just say what that is? Because I I just love it. Well, so I guess it was fi- yeah five years ago. I was hearing feedback from employees that w- they wanted to know what our mission was, what our vision was, and where we were going. I mean, the world is crazy. This is right after the economic collapse in two thousand and nine, and. I said to Jake, we need a mission statement. And he said, we're anti-corporate, so we can't have a mission statement. Number boom, one, Sam. boom. That yes. is, Dave Bradbury says that to me, I think, three times a day. Yeah. yeah, can't have a mission statement because we're anti-corporate. So I started working on something I called the stance, and I really felt like um, Jake and I knew where we're going and who we are and whatever, but it, once you get a certain level of you know number of employees, it's hard to get that message down. So we worked actually a full year on defining the stance, which is we are riders, and you know um, basically that's the standing sideways and looking at the world differently. And it's not just about a sport. We are rooted in snowboarding. But if you're looking at the world a little bit differently, like I, I like to say our competitors are very outdork, <laughs> outdoor, outdork, you know, the Patagonia and the North Face and the Sea of the Same. We have a we have a point of view. We have something different. And that shouldn't be defined by seasons or boundaries or borders. Um, and then the second part is we work like we ride. So that's how we define our values. And then the last part is we ride together. So we define our commitment as a company to our employees, recognition, constant learning, those kind of things. Yeah, I think that that's outstanding. It's, so it's, it's one okay. of the most Jake eloquent, ex- awesome uh, affirmations of who you are as people in a company. And, and you know, you walk the walk, which is great. I was surprised that people needed that. But mm. I, I realized the bigger our company got, the more we really had to actively nurture culture. You know, that we people, yeah, people show up to work because they're passionate, but they stay because they have challenging work and they're being developed and they feel part of a community and everything. So that's been a real, you know, focus of mine is the culture. It's a driving force. It, you know, I tell you, that really shows through. Like, whether you're walking into the retail store or an industrial lab, which is, which is awesome. Or College Street. Or plug, co- plug. College Street. I go there, too. I think Sam's uh, hoodie came from uh, College Street store. This was my Christmas gift this year, actually. Yeah. We, we give big around here. Um, <laughs> and then uh, we just uh, took my, my two boys. They're middle schoolers. They're, they're little little snowboarders. And uh, went to Craig's facility, mm, the, the R&D to get facility. The tour. It's amazing. And you can get a tour anywhere, but literally... Uh, it, how engaged the employees were and your team to s- take time, hit the stop button on the on the prototyping machine, and sit down and explain stuff, and and motivate. That was that was really great. Could you just explain, maybe just take a sec on what what Craig's is and why why you have it here? Sure. We had a team writer twenty years ago named Craig Kelly, who really changed the way we think about our company. He was trained as an engineer, and he was one of the most stylish, incredible riders ever. And he pushed us, pushed us, pushed us on the product, always making the product better. He died a few years ago in an avalanche, unfortunately. So we decided to name our R&D facility after him because he was always pushing for that progression, always progressing the sport. Like, you know you can get better and faster and lighter and... 
Um, so yeah, there's a real commitment to that. I was at a conference recently, and there was another uh, CEO of a snowboard company, and they asked him about his R&D, and he said, yeah, it's in Burlington, Vermont. So it really is the R&D for the industry. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His special R&D like, is Thank in you, Burlington. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sort of sitting in the audience like, okay. Taking, taking the tour. We've always, I mean, innovation has always driven us and, you know, making the focus on the rider and how do we make it a better experience for the rider just consumes us. Um. You know, I can say that, too. I, I get to go with Craig on two of his uh, bro-cat tours, Island Lake Lodge, uh, which was just, you know, a dream to, to, to sort of ride with someone that talented. But to see the, the fixation on, you know, zippers. Yes. Or, or, you know, cuffs and things that, I don't know how many iterations go through one of your SKUs when it comes to market, but it was really uh, rider-derived and, and that authenticity of product, brand, people just seems to resonate uh, today. So, um, yeah, go visit the Craig facility if you, if you can. Do. It's really it really is fun, um, and it was inspiring to a couple middle schoolers again to sort of look at the science and what goes into a board. Or um, oh, really for fun. sure, it's a great way to engage kids. Totally, it really is fascinating. And we also have things like, you know, that you can literally watch things being blown up. They break things and cool. <laughs> blow out boots. Like, uh, and <laughs> let's, let's do that this afternoon, Sam. Right? Right? Well, um, speaking of inspiring young people, um, can you talk to us a little bit about the Chill Foundation and what you guys are doing there? Yeah, so, you know, after we got through the sort of bank crisis and having our children pledged to the bank and everything we own <laughs> pledged to the bank and everything... And we started to make some money as a company. We really thought long and hard about how we were going to give back. And we thought about environmental causes like the surf industry. But we realized when we started our company in the 80s, there were no snowboard instructors. There was no place to go learn. You weren't even allowed on this area. And the people who put us on the map were teenagers who were willing to buy this thing out of the box, put it together, and go find a place to ride it. So we really wanted to give back to that demographic. So we sort of started a Learn to Ride program in Burlington through uh, working with some of the youth agencies and identifying the kids that might be able to benefit from it the most. And, and our idea was kids that never would ever have the opportunity to go snowboarding. And after a while, we realized it was a real youth development program, like all the skills you need to yeah. learn to snowboard, like when you're going to learn to snowboard. Right, right. Um, <laughs> 2017. Yes. It's my year. Yay. Um, perseverance, courage, pride, you know, all those things. And then since then, we've been, you know, at it now 15 years, and we've expanded to 13 cities in North America plus Japan and um, a few spots in Europe. So we reach about 1,200 kids a season, and they get to do two years with us, and then we have skateboarding and paddleboarding and surfing in the summer with them as well. That's awesome. It changes lives. You know, it really does. It's like snowboarding is the vehicle, but all of a sudden these kids, first of all, a lot of these kids aren't even allowed to be kids with what's going on right. in their right. circumstances. Lives. And you would dictate. be shocked at Burlington. I mean, you know, I, I, I attend all of these sessions with these kids in different cities, and, you know, Burlington's got the same problems as anywhere else, and these kids really benefit from the ability just to 
be kids, and then they learn a skill, you know, and uh, it's it's really life-changing for a lot of them. Yeah, I think teaching kids sports is the most important thing you can do. For their self-esteem. Totally. So um, you've, you've become uh, an industry leader in another area as well, and really uh, might have been the melting glaciers, the warming planet, or just the right thing to do. Could you talk a little bit about how the company has addressed uh, sustainability mm-hmm. in, in broad sense? And Yeah, so we were really careful in the beginning not to, we didn't want to greenwash anything. Look, we are a hard goods company. When I first met Jake, I would come up on the weekends and I would help him dip the wood boards into polyurethane. And we had to wear hazmat suits and vent it out. And this was all under Vermont cottage industry laws, which we were probably violating. And if the wind blew the wrong way, there was a trailer park right behind us. And everybody in the trailer park would call and say, what the hell is that smell? So we were like, hey, you know, we don't want to greenwash anything. We had started to do some interesting things with recycled materials and so forth. But then about five years ago, I really had an aha moment where I think the action sports industry, surf, skateboard, they didn't think that their consumer would care. I knew our consumer cared. I have boys in their 20s. They care. <laughs> and so I really jump-started our program to say, hey, we're never going to be perfect. We're mm-hmm. still going to use chemicals. But, hey, we can find the right chemicals to use, and we can really lead the way. So we've gone from really being kind of, ah, we're not sure what's in our boards. Don't but ask, don't tell don't kind ask, of stuff. Don't ask, don't tell. And, you know, we're never making a really cheap product so we're not in terrible factories like we knew we weren't in sweatshops because we're not making really cheap stuff but we were like yeah we're in the same factories as these other guys so they must be good so but now we have an incredibly um rigorous audit program we're going to fair labor association standards which are the highest standards set by the un on human rights all of our factories are 100% audited. We have none that are failing. You know, we're really doing innovative things with them. And then on the chemical side, um, we've, we're blue sign. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but that's the new standard for outerwear and for apparel. And every company from Nike to Patagonia to North Face to Burton has a goal of getting to 100% blue sign, which means it was not produced with toxic chemicals and water was used efficiently. Well, Patagonia's at 60%, Burton's at 84%. Wow. Boom. Boom. And it's something we don't talk about, but that we've been working really, really hard on. And so now, you know, it's funny. Now I find myself giving talks on sustainability. You know, four years ago, I was terrified that we were going to, you know, be at risk for something. You've come a long way since We've driving really out the uh, the mobile park behind yes, the factory. Yes, right. So. Ignore that smell. It's nothing. Well, I think that says a lot about <clears throat> sustainability in general and that, you know, a lot of these companies out there, you know, look down on other companies that can't do it all, but it really is one step at a time and do the things that you can do right now and, and be open and honest with your customers. and Transparent. Right, and they care. And, like, I would so much rather have a company say, Listen, we're working on it. We're, you know, we're thirty percent of the way we want to be. We're, we're not quite there yet, but we're getting there. And then a company that's like, yeah, everything's natural. You're like, what yeah, does right. that mean? Right. Well, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Monsanto <laughs> uses it. Roundup, yeah. it's natural. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, I, I think that that's been really important to us. But it's also, when I started to think about it, I thought to myself, you know, Burton's always been about something bigger than itself. It's always been about the sustainability of the sport and the sustainability of the lifestyle. I mean, we always joke that Jake started in the very beginning as a get-rich-quick scheme. Oh, he was going to make millions. 30 years Over later, there we go. Right. 40. <laughs> 40 years later. 40, okay, David. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, and, and he said the moment that he started focusing solely on what was right for the sport and what was right for the rider, everything followed. And so sustainability, while we were using toxic chemicals and stuff, you know, all of a sudden it's like, no, we're about winter. We need to protect winter. So we've actually become very vocal. We've become part of an organization called Protect Our Winters. Yeah, PA was outstanding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So now we feel like we can really take a stand and help move the needle because we're not going – we all see what's happening. Mm. Um, and it's been winters. good for the bottom line, right? Because before it used to be in order to, to sort of maybe buy more green products or change processes, it was a, it was a cost that sometimes you couldn't bear, but – Sounds like it, it really was worth the investment. I think it's been good for the company in a lot of ways. Um, I think it's helping us sell more product, and I think it's helping us attract more talent. People want to work for a company that's doing something bigger than itself, you know, and really saying, uh, you know what, we rely on winter, we're going to do something to help winter. Yeah. And you're more and more uh, concerned and focused on summer too, right? Durable goods? I- Love it. Yeah, yeah. We, I don't think we'll ever be sort of, you know, board shorts and flip-flops, but we're really focusing on extending um, the seasons, you know, so that you have a real fall season. And, um, you know, think about how many clothes you buy for that sort of 45-degree to 65-degree weather, transitional. I am right in that sweet spot. Yeah. I'm a huge fan. And we can, you know, we have a sense of style. We have a point of view for fleece. And we've been doing fleece for 30 years in jackets. So it's in our wheelhouse. Um, it's a little different for us in that it's not solely technical. Everything is technical, but every product has a technical feature. Right, so. right. It, it gets the benefit of, of all the R&D and all the rider right. experiences. and um, It's really exciting. It's it's really growing for us. Oh, uh, Listen, I'm probably the frequent shopper down there. I, I love oh, the yeah. place. and uh, If I can't find it. Dave around here, College Street's my first <laughs> yeah, stop. Yeah, nice. yeah, it's my comfort zone. <laughs> yeah, for, for, for sure. Dave, I don't think you can get your laptop out at their store and start working. <laughs> See, if I could co-work in one of the stores, that would be pretty cool, We could set that up. Yeah, we can you know, work on that. We'll work yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, V-Set Shops Day Now airing out of Burton Snowbirds. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm down. So I think uh, there's a question I'm dying to ask, and I don't want Dave to influence you with this at all. What's your favorite mountain? Ooh, la la. <clears throat> Hard-hitting question. Right? Hard-hitting. Stowe. I knew yeah, it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Did you pay her beforehand? Or? No, oh, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> no, what, I, what, what do you love about Stowe? Why, you know, have, you, why t- have you chosen to be there <laughs> yeah, instead of you know, yeah, Park yeah. City? No, or no, no. I, you know, I travel the world and get to snowboard most places, and I still find Stowe just magic because of the terrain. 
You know, you can get, how about our pow days this winter? I mean, you can get everything from open powder to the back country. I mean, people, they get blown away when they come here and they say, oh my God, I feel like I'm in Utah or whatever. Yeah, those are the days when Dave comes into work the next day and just can't walk. I'm like, were you on the mound for 12 hours yesterday? Yeah, I have no comment uh, <laughs> on that. The, the cell service has gotten better, thank God, over the years. But, um, but it is pretty cool, though. I mean, for those that are into this sport, to be able to be at the mountain with your, your, your team, your product managers, to see you and Jake out there just uh, yeah, living, and breathing it. And it's where our kids grew up and all those special moments with our kids. You know, we, um, when we first, when our kids got old enough to snowboard we didn't make kids snowboard equipment and we were determined not to because we had this feeling that um a 28 year old doesn't want to see his eight-year-old brother in the same brand right but then our kids got (laughs) and i remember at the time the engineers were not that interested in kids product and our poor kids were the guinea pigs but now all of our engineers are having kids and all of and a sudden, so they the care. Kids product, <laughs> you guys, should check it out. The it cycle is advancing. Of life comes along. It's advancing quicker than anything. And you're like, okay. Well, yeah. We're struggling in my house because uh, my wife family doesn't understand why I need seven snowboards. For you example, you do. You need a quiver. Uh, absolutely, and and plus the archive boards. And mm-hmm. and my oldest is getting old enough now. He's starting to look at my stuff and say, I can ride that. I'm like, no, you can't. And it's. Uh, yeah. Do you make the equivalent of like a snowboard locker, like a gun locker would be, or mine? <laughs> I need I need a vault Lock for, it up. for my memories. Make here. that too. My husband has snowboards just all over the house. I'm like, yeah. what is this one for? Why? You right. might be surprised now. It's it. worth yeah. some money. You just go on eBay and sell them. And oh, say, I don't know what happened to them. <laughs> oh my! I get offers every year with my Malolo board or my original Super yeah. sixty two. People want it. I'm like, beat it. Um, <laughs> we have a little uh, a redhead, uh, William. Um, is a little Brom. He, you know, had that choice too to ski. Tried it, said nope, and just from the time he was three years old, get to the just top of the sideways. driveway. Yeah, I mean, he's regular. I'm the only goofy foot in the family, and and that was it. And he just flows, and of course, he's home now with a fractured femur. So, Danny oh. Davis, if you're listening, he's, he he <laughs> idols you. So, <laughs> um, awesome. Now, can you talk a little bit about leadership and how you're cultivating all sorts of uh, new leaders in your company, and particularly with some emphasis on uh, women in your in your business? Because I think it, it really is another noted example of, of leadership at Burton. Yeah, I think, I mean, I really had another aha moment about 13, 14 years ago. And actually, it was Jake who first brought it, and he was uh, in a meeting with all of our global directors. So this is in 2003, I guess. And uh, there were 25 people in the room, and there were three women. And I think he knew in his gut as an entrepreneur that this was not sustainable, that this looked wrong, that if you have everybody of the same background, you are not going to be innovative, and you're not going to be pulling the best talent. So he asked me at the time, hey, would you look into what we could do here? So I've spent the last, so what started as a three-month project 
has turned into a 13-year passion. Perfect. Yeah. And Hell we, yeah. Yeah. And we've really done amazing things. So the group that came together in the beginning is still together 13 years later, the Women's Leadership Initiative. And we've done an amazing amount of work, especially around, you know, maternity benefits, but also mentoring and coaching and training. Um, and we have gone from under 10% of our leadership being female to 45. Wow. And, and it took 13 years, but that's extraordinary. I mean, that's an extraordinary cultural change. Great. Well, it doesn't happen overnight, and no. I think a lot of companies don't understand that. Yes. And like you said... I get a lot of calls from yeah. a lot of companies now who... Uh, how did you Leaders do it? find themselves in the same place. They look around and go, oh, my God, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. You know, where all of a sudden it's all very male-dominated, and, and how do I get out? Um, so ours was very intentional, you know, and I was able to drive it as an owner and a leader, but it took that. You've got to drive it from the top and say, no, this is, you know, you get backlash in the beginning. Oh, what are they doing in there? Burning their bras? Like, why do they get to go snowboarding and we don't, you know? I mean, it was like, and it, or they get, or a fear that they're going to hire women at the sake of the best talent, which was never the case. So we've developed incredible talent. And I, like, I just had a senior manager come in from a bike company, um, And she said the thing she loved about Burton was that um, you found women in non-traditional female roles. Yeah. So our chief marketing officer is a woman. Our head of operations is a woman, but our head of HR is a guy. So, you know, we've really achieved diversity um, at headquarters. And and it's, it's, like I said, I never thought that I would be out there talking about this when I was so far behind. We were so far behind the curve. But we put our head down. And because we are a private company, we can do things like can sustainability. Do, take the long-term view we can too. take the long-term view and say we're investing in this. Yeah. Yeah, it shows. And I think putting the time in is is so crucial and so important. And I think there's a lot of companies out there right now that are starting. Our entrepreneurs are super lucky because they can get, you know, they can start there. And, and make sure it happens from the beginning. But I, I think it's important to point out that it's not too late for a lot of large companies out there. And, you know, what happened to us was that's not how we started. Yeah. When we were a little company in Manchester, Vermont, we were 50-50. What happened is we grew so quickly that we were pulling from surf, skate, and ski. We would hire so- anybody who could breathe, <laughs> let alone fill out a spreadsheet. <laughs> and so all of us, like without our kind of realizing it, because you're just talent, talent, I need, I need bodies. And so it's very hard for a company to slow down and be very intentional about that Yeah. and say, hey, you know what? Out of the next 50 people we hire, 25 of them better be women. Yeah, or we're, let's or make an we're, effort. Or we're doing something it. wrong. I mean, when we have an opening for we, when we had an opening for a job, ninety nine point nine percent of the applicants were men. So you have to make a special effort to get out there and say, no, we need a female at least applying for this yeah, job. Yeah, to recruit. And, yeah. 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 So it can your company culture can you know with growth with quick growth it can kind of take on things that you're not meaning for it and you have to stop and say we need to be more intentional about this yeah that no you that, that reminds us i mean when this vset space opened up here at, at fairpoint 
we could have filled it day one. It's a totally cool place. It's low price, a lot of value. But we took our time because you can only get culture right really mm-hmm. once. It's tough to undo. And and I, I hope we're, we're still working on it for sure, but it's a great group of people that gives us inspiration as to, to who's here in, in Vermont making a, making a go of it. Um, so I'd love to ask you, um, any advice for couples that start businesses that you're willing to share? Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. We'll have Jake in for a rebuttal next yeah. month, right? <laughs> this is part one, right? <laughs> part one. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, it, we go through different periods in different time. I remember there was a time early on my advice would be to have time carved aside where you're not talking business. And we really had, when I was working um, on the bank situation, which was quite gnarly, and he, I remember at the same time he was working on a product issue, and we like we couldn't come home and talk about that. <laughs> we might not get a bank loan. The board's messed up. You know, like we were making each other crazy. So we really I remember there were times we don't really have to do it now. We do it naturally, I right. think. But you really need to carve time. And we were, you know, and I hear this from a lot of other couples, we were focused on different things. I stayed out of product. I stayed out of marketing. He stayed out of finance ops sales, you know? Yep. And um we were able to bring our strengths to each one of those. Yeah, so that's something when Jen Kimmich, who the alchemist was in, talk about she and John and how they've sort of divided the world uh, out of necessity, yeah. one, or they, they, they'd hand off the, the baby at the door in the early days since they see it, tag out, and one would go brew and the other would go home and parent. Yeah, I mean, it looks like every couple we've really talked to, it's they have such different skill sets that it's never really an issue. I mean, of course, you know, at the end of the day, you want to be able to turn it off somewhat, but they're just so different that it's really And I think for me, you know, it was important for me to find the places where I could contribute to the company. And that, that you know, it took me a while of sort of day-to-day operations. For example, gender equality. I can move the needle on that. Sustainability. Jake brings something else to the table. So kind of finding, I mean, I always say I try to at least wake up and not think about me, try to think about what the company, you know, how I can contribute. But we were lucky. We were, I mean, come on, we get to travel the world and meet snow, and we have a community around the entire world. We can go to Argentina, and there's Burton people there. We can go to China, and there's Burton people there. So we've always had an amazing sense of gratitude around what, snowboarding has brought us yeah i i was in tunisia i don't know maybe four years ago a volunteer project after the their uh, jasmine revolution and i had a an old burton open 2007 red backpack on right and someone came up and i'm just arriving in the country a little bit on edge not knowing what i'm doing um and someone taps me from behind i'm like oh great i'm getting arrested (laughs) and it was a snowboarder from there, yeah. right? I'm thinking, one, this is North Africa. It's desert, right? And, you know, largely. And it was all about Burton and snowboarding. It was yes. so cool. It was no, just a little moment. I mean, and that's it. It's such a gift to have this worldwide, global community um, that we've always been incredibly grateful for what it's brought us and brought our kids. And, you know, like our kids are grown now, but if you say, hey, we're going on a snowboard trip to Switzerland, they all find the time off from work. Yeah, amazing how that works, right? <laughs> amazing. Shift like, things around, right? Oh, that works oh, out. Somehow that. those finals get pushed or whatever. Yeah, um, 
so uh, SIA, right? Sold off or merged the uh, the, the snow sports show. Are, are, you think that's a good move? Did I Nick, did Nick Sargent do a good thing over there? I think it's a good move. I think that trade shows are very. Um, uh, I don't know what to say. I've been going to them for 30 years, and they have not changed one <laughs> bit. It's like one thing in our society that hasn't changed, and it's like an echo chamber of the industry, and we've got to be a little bit more creative. So I hope this gives Snow Industries of America uh, an opportunity to really say, how do we increase participation? Right. Grow, how, grow do we, how do we grow yeah. the sports? Let's forget about these trade shows where yeah. we're just talking to ourselves. And, you know, so really, true. Yeah. Yes. And they cost a fortune by the time you send all your people out there and do all that stuff. Let's talk about how do we get more people on the mountain. I don't care if they're skiing or snowboarding, either one, or snowshoeing or cross-country skiing. Let's yeah. talk about winter sports participation as an industry. Yeah, I made it till my 26th year before I had been on a mountain. And that's not good. No. So, and you're not really from flatlands. You're from the Pioneer Valley. I know. Right? Which implies that there's hills on either side. There are, so. yes. And isn't winter easier to Oh handle? my god, it is literally life-changing. That's life our changes. that's our top it's recruitment question, right? We always say what's your winter passion? And if we hear anybody say, oh, I'm thinking of learning this, or I want to get back into that, we're like, ooh, maybe not so much. Or, I want to hear, I love to ice fish, or snowmobile, or ski. Cheese fondue. Cheese ooh. fondue. There we go. There we go. Yes, I've always been a winter cheese supporter. But I, I th- so really, and, and I think, like I said, it, it's one rare thing in your life where literally I have been going for 35 years, and it looks exactly the same, and it's almost the same people or <laughs> whatever. So I would really like to see the association, and the, I, I think the Outdoor Industry Association does a better job of that, of kind of really looking at it holistically and how do we get more participants? Yeah, it's so and much I think, fun. I think it might create more space too for the Protect Our Winters momentum, mm-hmm. right, as well in that mm-hmm. in that effort. So um, Stowe's being bought or maybe I think it closed uh, this past uh, couple days here. What do you think? You, you, you're hopeful? I think it's a good thing. I mean, I never really understood Stowe being owned by a big insurance company, and I think Vail is really committed. Again, I think they have a commitment to getting people outdoors and to um, increasing participation and making it more accessible. So I think Vail, as a corporation, I mean, they are public, so they are in acquisition mode and everything, and they've got their hands full with Whistler. So I'm not sure if you're going to see a lot of changes happen in Stowe right away. But I think it's a good thing because I think they're committed to making it a better customer experience and and all those things that we talk about, making it more accessible, more inviting, more affordable. Yeah, I'm 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 looking forward I'm to it. On board for that. Yeah, um, I want to ask you one product question before Sam hits you with our wrap up question. Um, and I've been baiting you to use the uh, to drop an f bomb, and you haven't. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we have very impressive. I keep I'm like catching so myself. I think I've yourself? gotten better at it now. <laughs> darn, I mean, yeah. darn! I, I want that that beat to happen. But um, uh, the uh, the step on system and, and bindings, right? I mean, one of the advantages of, of riding in Stowe all the time is we've been watching these things uh, get tested out here. So. Um, 
It's fucking game changing. Is this the one? It is fucking game changing. Awesome. It is fucking game changing. There it is. Yeah. And and it should not be confused with the 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 system I used to use years no, ago. It should not be the confused. name that will not be. We can't say those words anymore because I, I hear if we use the word step in, we have to do push-ups. Yeah. No, it's a very different system and it is going to be game changing. I think it was about it we've been working on this for four years. I mean, we have engineers who've dedicated all their time to this. And about four years ago, Jake was snowboarding and he said to one of our engineers, I'm almost 60 years old and I've been bending over for 40 years <laughs> and I'm done. No mas, no mas. I'm done. I'm done. He's in great shape, but he's just like, I'm done. I want to challenge you guys to make a system that I can step into that performs like a buckle system. So it's been four years in the making, and I don't think I've ever been prouder of a product that our guys are putting out. And I think it literally is game-changing in that I think if you Google uh, getting into a snowboard, all you see are people on their butts. Right? That's like basically why I don't snowboard. That's that just why you terrible. don't <laughs> Superior balance, Sam. Yeah. Yeah, no. So yeah. That, I've heard people say that. So imagine if you could just click, click, Bye-bye. Interesting. And like your skier friends think that they're like... I think game-changing they, They're is like the right rolling word. their eyes waiting for you. Yeah. Not anymore. My only, yeah. my only hesitation is, is can I still put my boots on at home and yes. drive up the yes. road? Okay. You wouldn't even notice the difference in the boot. There's a little attachment on the back and a little... You wouldn't even notice the difference. Because no, when I see four, five, six inches on the railing, there's, there's a blindness that happens in our household. And I have to say that, you know, because of the experience 15 years ago with a system that wasn't widely adopted and wasn't great I performance... I liked it. I, you know, I rode it for a while, too, but it never really took off. And then you have all these hardcore snowboarders and media and stuff, and we got these people on this product... And to a person, they said, I wanted to hate this, but I love it. They wanted to hate us, David. Damn you, Donna Carpenter. No, Dan Burton. (laughs) Dan Burton, stupid system. They wanted to hate on us. And they were like, we cannot hate on you. You know, we've got team riders like Terry Hawkinson hasn't gone back to straps. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good endorsement. Yeah. So it's really got the same... Pro- That's you, cool. you keep looking down like, okay, am I okay? I'm going to be okay. Because <laughs> you have the exact same performance. So we're doing, we're doing it right, though. We're doing a very limited release next year um, and then kind of building it up from there, making sure that people can demo it. and, and Okay, so that's when I'll start snowboarding. Yay. That's <laughs> it. That, that would be this year. Okay. Well, Perfect. Uh, Emily Bradbury knows what my Christmas list has uh, <laughs> in, uh, Step in on. big bold letters. So, um, Sam, you wanna you wanna hit yeah. Donna with this this hugely difficult, important Absolutely. question? Absolutely. Yeah, this is our our big one, Donna. If you could change one thing about Vermont today with a magic wand, magic wand, what would you change? That's hard. I know. Can it be the weather? I mean, can I say? Yes. Can, oh, yeah. We've had, it can be anything. We've had uh, uh, one entrepreneur wanted red pandas to be a natural occurring beast here. Um, we had In-N-Out Burger. In-N-Out Burger. Diversity. Had, diversity was a... Yep. That was actually... We've heard diversity probably the most. Yeah. Um, 
But it's your answer, not, it. not ours. So. In and out. <laughs> In and out. <laughs> <laughs> Ethan Bechtel of OMD will be glad to hear that. You know, I have to say, because I travel so much, I really do. Like, I, you know, I was just out west and I, for work, and I love the desert and everything. But you come home here. I mean, maybe it's because absence makes the heart grow fonder or whatever. But every time I land here, whether it's cold and rainy or sunny and beautiful, Again, I think you don't find that community spirit anywhere else. You don't find a commitment, a statewide commitment to sustainability, access to people. You can pick up the phone and call your legislators, uh, legislators at home or whatever with a problem. Right. So I'm going to go with don't change Vermont. Don't change Vermont. I love that. <laughs> cool. I have to agree. I actually cried the first time I flew into Vermont. Yeah. It surprised me, but yes. it happened. I'm not yeah. ashamed of it. It's still still a pretty cool airport to come home oh, to. Oh, it's the best. And uh, I've been saying that since UVM in 1984 and scare New England, right? Remember, yeah. that, remember that airline? Holy smokes. Donna, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about yourself. You're and, welcome. And this yours awesome, and Jake's Donna. and Burton's uh, story. Also, oh, thank you for coming to the Female Founders event a couple yes. months ago. We were yeah, psyched to see you there. Yeah, that's a great event. Yeah, that was really um, awesome. I, that's when I said to Sam, I was like, whoa, did we invite her? <laughs> <laughs> she was like, no. I'm like, that's kind of cool that CEOs and their well, team are coming out know, to my, listen. So. My, there was a group of women at Burton that got together and bought tickets. Oh, that's Heck. so cool. And yeah. so then every month they invited people and said, whoever wants to come. I Yay. mean, that's what gets me up every day are these women I work with because – you know, sports, action sports, it's, a, it's tough. you got to be kind of a tough woman or whatever. And they're amazing, and they just want to keep learning. And hearing people's stories is a great way to keep growing. Awesome. Thank you, Donna. You're welcome. Thanks, Donna. This has been Start Here with Sam and Dave, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and even the accidental entrepreneur. Series made possible by the Vermont Technology Council and Fairpoint Communications. Follow us on Twitter at VSET, that's V C E T. Thanks for listening. Now let's get back to work.